Thank you. Father, we just give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you that we could have been born in any other time, any other dispensation, but you chose this time for us. You prepared us for this. You prepared us for anything that comes our direction because you live and reign in us and through us. So today, Holy Spirit, speak to those that are home. So many of our prayer warriors and family and friends and Miss Gwen and Miss Kathy and so many other leaders due to different things are home and they're with us as we're live right now. They're still with us in heart. And uh, thank you for all the brave ones coming out today. And uh, we give you the glory as you release your revelation to us to transform us into what's next in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. oh, come on. Everybody said, Amen. man, I think you can turn me down a little bit in the house, brother, and turn me up in the monitor, way down in the house, probably. I sound like I'm in a cave, I think, out there. I know it's kind of the building's all different where it's a third full versus everybody spread out. It's hard for the sound guy. God bless many. You know, it's this time we come together. We come together from a lot of different backgrounds and situations and opinions, and everyone has opinions, right? So we all have our own opinions. But the reality is, is what is God doing in our life? Can God move in your life when you're home? Can you feel the presence of God when you're in your home? Can you feel the presence of God when you're reading the Word or watching ministry and anointing on TV? Yeah. So really, it's kind of crazy. I think our viewership went up over two or 3,000 throughout the week uh, on our program on Sunday where it's normally under 1,000. And uh, I can hardly wait to this thing where we can have more of our folks here. How many, is there anyone here? I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but this is your first time here that, that you've been here. I just wanted to see from us. I know that, thank you there. Anybody else? I just wanted to see if there are any others. Yeah, praise God. Thank you for that. We've got a lot of people watch online and say they're going to check out all these crazy Bethel people and enjoy it. You know, as we come into this time and look at it, it you know, it's a little difficult for me in the beginning, um, but then I just kind of got in the flow of what God wanted. And, you know, when we said and prophesied that this last year, last year would be a year of supernatural advancement through clarity, growth, and vitality, we really dug deep into clarity and growth. And then we said in 2020, it's going to be a quantum leap of supernatural advancement in our lives and through clarity, growth, and vitality. And we really started this year focusing more on vitality just because we hadn't hit it as much. And what I want you to realize is, guys, and we said, too, this year, nothing less than double. Anybody received, I know we've had a lot of hurt, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but has anybody received any blessings or increase during this time? Look at that. So, so even in the middle of a mess, God can bless. And then I know others are here. You've suffered. You, you've been through trials. And I want to talk about that as well as the celebration. When I look at little Grace uh, Strong, um, and it just blows me away how God prophetically just moves. And he'll even use the news or whoever to get his word out. It's different being separated more and farther apart. You kind of lose some of that energy, but the anointing is strong. 
And, and I believe I have a word for you right now that's going to begin to touch you in a way that, that maybe you haven't been touched in a while. Because we're what? Difference makers, aren't we? I said we're difference makers. That's, that's who we are as a church. We're difference makers. And we're, whatever situation we're in, circumstance we're in, we choose to be difference makers. There was a true story of a missionary family who were on vacation. This was years ago, and they were at a lake house, and uh, it had a nice boat and a boathouse. And uh, the father, along with a couple of the kids, the little boys went down, and one was seven and one was like 11, and went down, and they were messing around on the boat dock. And then in a minute or so, his little bro- the 11-year-old said, where's, where's, where's Billy? Where's Billy? And the dad began to panic and didn't see where Billy was. So obviously he must be in the water. So he dove the last place he saw Billy standing, and the water was about 8 to 10 feet deep, but it was murky and kind of muddy. He couldn't really see. So he just went on the bottom and held his breath as long as he could, came back up. He couldn't see, but he felt. He went back down. He felt and was going around under the dock and everywhere. And he come back up, and he's just like, God, you got to help me. And he goes back one more time, and he catches out of the corner of his eye a little Billy hanging on to one of the piers, one of the, the posts in the ground, just about three feet underwater. And he grabs him and pulls him loose and brings him up, and his eyes are closed. He puts him up, and he starts to, you know, beat on his chest. And all of a sudden, the water comes out, and his eyes open up. And he said, Daddy, and he j- reaches up and hugs his daddy's neck. And the father, just like any of us would be, was shaking he was shaking, and he said, "Billy, Billy, why, why did you just, why did you just come up or try to get away? You were hanging on to that post, and and I couldn't find you, and I was scared, I was frightened, and you were just, you wouldn't let go of that post." He said, "Daddy, I know that if I just stayed right where I was, you would find me. That's trust, Daddy." No matter where I'm at in my life, no matter what's going on in my life, good or bad, especially through the bad and the difficult stuff, I trust you that you will find me. If you're going to be a difference maker, if you're going to see clarity, growth, vitality in your life, if you're going to make a difference on this planet as well as for your own family and for the kingdom of God, and I believe that God has set the body of Christ up that now, does anybody appreciate coming to church more now? Right? Everybody. And, and, and I've been through some of this stuff, you know, Desert Storm years ago at World Harvest, and, and uh, man, people were packing out for about 30 to 45 days, and as soon as the crisis was over, they were gone. Back during the economic challenge and crash in, what, 07 or whatever, or 08, you know, people kind of packed the church out for a while, and in a few months, it just dribbled off. But I feel in my spirit that this time it's going to be different because it was something so simple that wasn't seemingly a big deal that didn't just shut our nation down, but over 200 nations it shut down around the world. Now, the key to being a difference maker, the key for us to fulfill the eternal purpose that God has put on each one of our hearts is one word. It's the most important word in the Bible other than salvation, and you can't really have salvation without it. And it starts with a T, trust. Until we understand and truly trust God when, when we don't understand. You know, it's, it's like this. It's, you know, whenever we see the, 
Jesus hanging on the cross in the shadow of his cross, but under that shadow is, is despair and layoffs and sickness and lack and hopelessness and depression and fear and anger and bitterness. It's a challenge in those times to trust. It's a challenge to trust God when things are murky. It's a challenge to trust God when things are cloudy. It's a challenge to trust God whenever what you're feeling is different than what you're reading in the Word, whenever what you're seeing in your own family is different than what you see in other families who seemingly are okay and got blessed through this time. But you, you have been through some things that were heartache, that were hurtful, especially for the families that lost loved ones through this time or had illnesses and challenges. I know Becky and others have. It's, it's just so tragic. But what I want you to realize, guys, is the key is trust. If you really want to understand and know God, you got to surrender. And the way we surrender is, you know, I'm a fighter. I push, I press. But sooner or later, I'm like that little kid. I struggle, struggle, struggle. And finally, I get so tired, I stop. And then God downloads to me what he needs to download to me, Right? Because what I realized that when I'm out of faith, and I know it's a shock to you, right? The preacher's out of faith. But at times, I'm not walking in my, the faith level I need to walk, to hear, to see, or to do what God has marked me to do or marked me to lead. That's when, you know, I'll press even more. That's my nature. Press, push, pray more, read more, you know, do more, do whatever, until finally, I don't see the results of the fruit, and I'm just physically, mentally, and spiritually worn out. And when I just, like a little boy that's five years old, just wears out on the carpet, played all day, or was mad all day, whatever it is, that's when the Father can get through to me. You see, trust is whenever he can get through to us before we get to that point. And whenever we understand what trust is, see, trust comes from hope and faith. The wedding, a beautiful wedding of hope and faith brings trust. Because my one of my spiritual fathers in the faith, Dr. Summerall, one of the greatest men of faith of all time, he, he's since been going with the Lord for quite a while. He said, faith is simply trusting God, really knowing and trusting God. And what I want you to realize today, as we are going through whatever we're going through, and, and through some pressure things, you might say, well, why would God permit these things to happen? Why would God permit these things to happen? Well, you know, a couple, over two months ago when I was preaching to you on politics, remember I told you Jesus' final prayer in John 17, he prayed that the Father not take us out of the world, but we would be in the world as one as he and the Father are one in John 17. That was his prayer request, the only request I know of Jesus making at that time that ever that I've seen that he made a request, and that was the request. And what I want you to realize is he, there was no promise you wouldn't have problems. There was no promise you wouldn't experience heartache and attack because you're in a fallen world. But it's for a brief time. It seems like a long time to us, but it's really a brief time in the eyes of eternity. The Bible says in eternity what a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So some of you may be saying, I need clarity for what's next. I need clarity to move forward. I need clarity to move on. Well, I love what Mother, Mother Teresa said, and you remember me telling this story a while back. There was a gentleman that came to spend three months in a summer in Calcutta, and it was the really death hospital when there was no hope, and you had lepers, you had other people there. And he comes upon, and Miss Mother Teresa would go around, and she was way up in years at the time, and she would go around and greet all the 
volunteers and volunteer beside him. And she said, he told her his story. And, and she said, well, what, what are you here for? And he said, well, I'm just really here for clarity. What kind of clarity? Clarity for my life. I don't want to miss whatever God has for me, and I don't want to miss what I'm supposed to be on this planet for. Just clarity, Mother Teresa. Can you pray for me to have clarity? And she said, no, no, I cannot pray for you to have clarity. And he was shocked, and he was like, Mother Teresa, you've taken a vow of poverty. You've suffered more than most people will ever think about suffering by choice, not because you were in a mess or a situation or in sin, but by a choice. You suffered. And, 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 it says, and, and all of a sudden, she said, my son, my son, clarity only follows trust. When you trust, things become clear. When you trust, things become simple. So many times we're trying to figure out God or we're trying to figure out where we need to be or what we need to do, but we're missing the point. The Bible says that we want to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The Bible tells us that there's no way that you are not going to end up a winner. It says that, that, that death, hell, and the grave, none of that can rob your victory. You have victory no matter what, but the key is do you see victory? I don't know about you, but I've been through some stuff. I'm thankful I went through it. I'm glad I got the T-shirt, but I never want to go through it again. Is anyone else that way, right? I'm sure there's students that say, yeah, yeah, last semester, whatever, right? But, but I'm also, I also know that all those events coming together has built the man of God that God has built, just like he's built with you, the man or woman of God you are. All the things, good, bad, and ugly that you have been through has forged your character, has given you confidence because the greatest confidence you're going to have is an experience you've been through, and you can learn whether you did it right or did it wrong, but, but you learn. And so what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is if we're going to truly be eternal difference makers, what do we got to do, guys? We got to trust God even in the bad times. We got to trust God in the unclear times. We got to trust God in the painful times, in the empty times, as well as the good times. You see, the way you overcome a mindset of pain, a mindset of suffering, a mindset of, of feeling defeated, maybe depressed, maybe angry or anxious, is through gratitude. That whenever you and I begin to share gratitude and we begin to tell God how thankful we are that we're breathing today, that we're alive today, that we could set up on a sofa and had a television to watch a service today, or that we had a car or a ride to church that we could be in a church today, that we are alive, we are breathing. Maybe it's been tough, maybe it's been difficult, but the Bible says that the enemy has to give seven times back what he's stolen, so you're still going to get your stuff back if, if not guaranteed, but if you'll trust. In other words, it's not necessarily the same material things you think it's going to be, but it's going to be something that produces way more than those material things could ever produce in your life. You see, so many times things have to stop so we can redirect. The quiet comes before the storm. And I believe that this time spiritually is a time for the world to stop to see what's precious again, to stop to see what's valuable one more time. So what is trust? I think this is cool. Trust is our gift back to God. 
There's been times I told you years ago, and I've been preaching 20 years, and I finally said, it's like, you got to do something. And I went off to Patty and John, her mom and dad are here to their place. I think they had about 15 acres before they sold it. And out in the woods, they were on vacation. And I was there. I was going to stay there like five days. By the second day, nothing happened. I took my Bibles and my journals and my Christian stuff to listen to. And I was still just as depressed and still just as angry and still just as frustrated. And all of a sudden, I just, Steph called. I don't want to bother you, but how's it going? I said, not so good. She said, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> you know? So I throw it down, and I, I'm just going to walk out in the woods. And I'll never forget, I walked out in the woods. And I mean, I'd been under this struggle for a few years and didn't even realize it. And, and I walked out into the woods, and about no more than 30 steps into the woods alone, all of a sudden, I felt the presence of God. Now, when you feel the presence of God, you think it's going to be good. But when you haven't felt the presence of God for a while, and you're kind of mad at God, but you're too big a chicken to say you are, right? I mean, I would never pray I'm angry at you or frustrated with you, you know? I was like, well, you know, I'm working around God, trying to make it work, just trying to fix it, you know? And if he wants to help me, he can, but I got to get her done, right? And so my life has kind of been that way for a couple of years, and, and all of a sudden, the presence of God come on, and, and God said, how you doing? I said, and say that. He said, how you doing? Are you okay with me? And I'm like, and all of a sudden, things started flooding through my mind. The economy crashed when we moved into this building, the financial pressure and burden of this church of all, on all of us and people suffering and losing businesses and homes. And my mom, in the same week that happened, my mom passed away. And then about a month later from that, the, the, the economy and the church and everything was going backward. And, I, and then all the things that come with that, the struggle to make things happen, the struggle to perform. You see, you, when you're performing, you're not trusting. Performance doesn't take trust. Performance just requires practice. But sometimes trust is not performing. And all of a sudden... I held my fist up and I cursed and said, I am, I can't say what it is, at you. I am blank, blank off at you. And I screamed as loud. And then it scared me. I thought, am I going to get hit by lightning? I mean, you don't do that with God. But when it did, he just wrapped his arms around me. It was almost like a vision, but it wasn't. And I felt the presence of God come on me and I started to weep. And I don't know how long I was laying on that ground weeping. But when I got up, I was changed. And it wasn't a fun several years, right? But the thing is, I would never trade that because I learned that God loved me beyond my perfection, that God loved me in the good times and the bad times, the pretty times and the ugly times. Let me ask you this question. There was a, there was a student that was listening years ago uh, on, on an Ivy League campus in a chapel and was invited to listen to a great speaker of that time. And once it was over, they were, he was walking through campus. The student came up and said he enjoyed it, and they began to talk. And all of a sudden, he said, well, how are you doing, son? Are you doing okay? And the student began to weep and said, no, I'm not. He said, well, what's going on? He said, well, ever since I came here, I'm a freshman. I'm almost getting ready to go into my sophomore year. He said, I had a vibrant relationship with God. I prayed. I was faithful. But I got here. The studies are so difficult. All I can do is study and drink caffeine and everything else. And then I'm rushing for a fraternity, and you got all that going on. And I'm so far away from God. And he said, well, what do you want? 
God to know. And the student, this, this big young man, just began to weep. said, I want him to know I want him. And I don't even know if he was here right now, he would accept me for the things I've done this last year. But I want him to know I love him, and I want him, and I want to feel him again, and I want to know him again. And he said, about that time, all of a sudden, the presence of God hit that young man. I want to ask you something. But then there was another one, another story of a man, and he was ministering to a lady in a leadership thing, and, and she was a very successful business person, very powerful and somehow they got on a break, started talking about God. And she said, well, I want you to know at one time I was a devout follower of Christ. And he said, really? She said, now, I still believe in him. I still follow him. But he said, I'm, I'm far away from him. I said, well, what do you mean you're far away from him? He said, well, coming up through the ranks and the education and the work and 25 years of this. And you see what I deal with, with handling thousands of employees and the pressure that's on me. And he said, yes. He said, well, if Jesus was here, what would you want him to know? She just broke like a little girl and began to weep. I want him to know that even if he turns his back on me, I'll still love him. I want him to know I long for him and I want him. I don't know how to get him back. I, I don't know how to be intimate again. I, I want to be like I used to be with him. And, and I just pray that he would accept me if he were standing here, that he would still love me anyway if he were just standing right here. And then the guy said, he's here. And she began to weep, and they prayed together. Now, I want to ask you, if Jesus ran on either one of those people face to face, would he accept them or reject them? What? Unconditionally. So I want to ask you, what's keeping you out of the presence of God? What has maybe brought a lack of clarity, a lack of trust, where are you at in your life right now to the point that maybe you're not where you want to be with God? Maybe you know more scripture and you pray more or you don't. I don't know. Maybe you've been in a lot of stuff or you haven't been in a lot of stuff. I don't know. But I do know this as part of our mission statement. We belong, right? God's going to love us as we are, not as we should be. What if you could accept that truth? You see, I can't truly trust him, Paul until I accept his love. But when I accept his love, then I can trust. And when I trust, things become clear. And then the energy and the strength comes to do it. Let me give you a few scriptures. I don't want to hold you too, too long because we've got kids. Good catch. Not bad. Other than I, there you go. Get it back up there. Um, go with me to John's gospel. I want to talk to you a minute about trust. So faith plus hope equals trust. We talked a lot about hope is confident expectation, right? Confidently expecting. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith is the substance of things we confidently expect. Now faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not part of your five senses. It's a sixth sense. So faith, you can't really walk in faith without hope. That gives you the expectation. And then you put hope plus faith. What does it do? It equals trust. At that point, you can rest in God. At that point, you can rest in, oh, there's a story that I read this week. It blew me away, and I'll butcher it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. There was a young volunteer that would go to hospitals and visit elderly sick people. 
And she was visiting one person and happened on this other lovely lady, very elderly, like in her 90s. And uh, she was uh, she was paralyzed uh, from her waist down. And, and the young lady began to talk to her, and she said, how are you doing? She said, oh, I'm grateful. She says, well, why are you grateful? I mean, you're paralyzed from your waist down. You, you can't get out of bed. You can't t- feed yourself. Well, I'm grateful that I still have my arms, and I still have my voice, and I still have my eyes, and, I, and I'm grateful. And she said, okay. So she just couldn't stop. So she'd come back every week to visit this lady. The next week, she comes back. And the elderly lady is laying there with a smile on her face, but not moving. And she said, well, how are you doing? She said, oh, they tell me that I've lost movement from my neck down, my shoulders down. And she's like, well, so why are you smiling? She said, oh, sweetie, I'm grateful. She said, what are you grateful for? This young college girl's like, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful I can still move my neck and I can still turn my head and I can still see things and listen to things. And the little girl said, what about if I come back next week and you can't hear or see or move your neck, but you're just lying there? She said, then I'll be grateful that you came to visit me. So it's so bad you can't find something to be grateful about. It's so terrible that you, because your way out is not the way you've done it before. Your way out of fear, of anxiety, of depression, or any of that stuff, or anger, or unforgiveness, or bitterness, whatever it is, is through gratefulness. That we are grateful to a true God that loves us just the way we are, not the way we should be. A true God that loves us, that we can trust in, that we can know, and that we can have relationships. So faith, where's it? It arises. How does it arise? It arises as a personal experience of Jesus as Lord. When we see him as the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that was Jesus. And we see him as Jesus, the Logos, the Rhema, the Word of God, but also the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior, right? When we see Jesus as arises a personal experience with the Lord. So faith comes how? through it, we, we first start it by not seeing it come to pass. We see it in the unseen or we believe for it. But how many of you know, after a while, your faith wanes if you don't have some kind of sign or victory, right? So true faith happens when you put hope and faith together and you trust to the point that you experience something you were speaking or believing for. So it's experiential to an extent. Hope is a reliance on the promises of Jesus. So when I hope, I have a confident expectation because of not just the person of Jesus, but I have a confident expectation because of the words of Jesus, the promises. And then trust is the beautiful marriage, the beautiful union of both of those together. So what happens, guys, when we're going through stuff, we need to realize what we're going through. So so here's the key. If we're going to build our life on trust, we got to do it through the proper foundation. Look at me in Galatians. I'll go back to this scripture, then I'll come there. Galatians 4, verses, verses 6 and 7. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit calls out Abba. Remember, we talked about that before. It means in the Latin, it's dada, the root word for daddy. It is Abba. So 
So the Spirit calls out Daddy Father or Dada Father or Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So even at the end of this whole thing, you're going to receive your, what, you, what is heired to you. Not only eternal life, but other great things as well. And you can have some of that now through faith. But Abba is an expansion for us to understand that he is more than Lord. He is more than God. He is more than Jehovah Ropha, our healer. He is more than Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is God. Not just the God of our salvation, but he is God of all things. Now get this, but he's also daddy. What if your daddy was the most powerful person in the world and you needed something? What if you needed protected and your daddy was the most powerful person in the world? You see, so many times we are begging and complaining and talking at God like adults instead of like little children coming to him and communicating and receiving from him. That's why children have trust that adults don't many times. Why? Because they haven't had the faulty experiences you've had. They actually believe what you tell them about Jesus. And then they start learning his word a little bit. Healing? Oh, you're sick, Mama. Let me pray for you. And Mama gets healed, but the preacher prayed and nothing happened. The elders prayed and nothing happened. The faith of a little child so many times it's greater than an adult's. Why? Shouldn't be, but a lot of times it is. Why? Because of the faulty experiences we have using our faith if we don't learn to trust even when we didn't see the manifestation. So every time Jesus went into prayer, what did he do? He started out with Abba, Daddy, Daddy of God. And so it's important for you and I to realize that we have this opportunity and intimacy. I'll probably only get into this one passage with you today but, but, and, and we'll get moving. But in Luke 7, where you were a few minutes ago, it tells a beautiful story, which is true, about a centurion who was famous, who, who did a lot for the Jewish people and built their temples and tabernacles and took care of them and built businesses and buildings for them, which was unusual for centurions at that time. And he had a sick person in his house, a, a servant in his house that was dying and uh, close to death, and he wanted to see that person healed. And the people of the city knew, the Jewish people came as Jesus was coming along the street to go somewhere to minister and began to grab him and say, please, Master, look what he has done. He's done built tabernacles. He's a great man. I know he's a Roman soldier. He's a satyrian. He's over a lot of people, but his servant that he loves so much is, is unto death and will die any minute if something doesn't happen. So what happens is it says that... Um, in verse 6, it says, he, Jesus was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends. So Jesus said, okay, I'll go pray for him. And as he gets close to the house where the servant is, the centurion, the centurion sent friends out to Jesus and said this, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I did not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. Everybody say the word. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Wow. I don't have a revelation of your divinity as the son of God, but I trust your word. In other words, I don't understand everything about you, Jesus. I don't, you know, the old saying, I don't understand how white milk comes out of a brown cow eating green grass living in a red barn, but I drink the milk. 
I understand a little bit more about salvation through going to, you know, getting my MDiv and studying and preaching 30 years, and but I still don't know what I probably need to know. I'm learning. But see, I don't need to know it all. I just need to drink the milk. You, you don't know why you've been through the pain, but the victory's just around the corner. You don't know why that happened to you until later on, and you go, oh, that happened, and if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't went this direction. If that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened or restored. You see, there's things you don't know, but you got to be okay with it, and you got to trust. And when you trust, that's when you'll have the power to move forward. And he said this, he said, uh, for I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And then in verse nine, it says, when Jesus heard this. Now, this is not the rabbi. This is the rabbi, but not a rabbi. This is not an elder. This is not a human. Well, he's a human at the time, 100% human in God. Won't get into all that. But when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Could you imagine Jesus being amazed at us in a good way? He was amazed at him and what he do and turning to the crowd following him, turning to all those so-called disciples and spectators, he said, I tell you, I have not found what such great faith, such great faith even in Israel where the church is. Then the men who had been with him sent returned to the house and found the servant well. He was healed. Now let me read those two verses in the message translation. It says, taken, taken back, Jesus addressed the accompanying crowd. He was taken back and he addressed the accompanying crowd. He said, I have yet to come across this kind of simple trust. Another translation for great faith. I have yet to come across this simple trust anywhere in Israel. How complicated do we make it to believe God? Well, God, if, if I do this formula and that happens, I should get this. Well, God, I mean, I, 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 last time, three times I needed that miracle. I did this and that happened. Well, when I got that prayer answered, what was I doing? And we make things so complicated, but Jesus says faith is simple. That's why children oftentimes have such great faith because they have what? Simple trust. Sometimes we make it so hard to believe because our circumstances are greater than our trust. So if you want to have a victory over your circumstances, don't be focusing on what's broken or missing. Don't be focusing on those circumstances. Start focusing on your trust. And when the trust level comes up, you'll get clarity and know what to do and what to say. So we see here that he says simple trust, and then he went on, and they found a servant healed. So whenever we see this, first of all, it shows that faith in Jesus. The word, sir, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. He professes his faith in Jesus. He don't understand everything about him, but he knew he was a great man. He didn't know if he's God, I'm sure, but he's a great rabbi. There's something great about him. So he trusted in the person of Jesus. Get this, don't miss this. But he also trusted in the words of Jesus. How many times do you speak and quote and do your formula with those words, but you don't trust the person? 
You really say those words with me, Jesus loves me just as I am, not as I should be, but do you really believe it? What's your limit of that? Where, where does that cut the line for you? Where does that draw the line for you that Jesus could not love you anymore or someone else you know? Where, where does the line draw there for you? Because if you don't have the trust, you can't have the simplicity to have it operate in your life. And then the centurion also professes what? Hope in his promises. Hope in his promises. So if I trust in the person of Jesus, he is who he said he is and will do what he says he's done. And then I trust what? In those promises. That's when real faith activates and takes place. What is it? It's simple trust. Hmm. We see here in a, another location where uh, in the Amplified Version, it said Jesus came to the Cana of Galilee where he had been turned, and turned water into wine and a certain royal official whose son was lying ill in Capernaum, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went away to meet him and he began to beg him, began to beg him, began to beg him to come and cure his son for he was lying at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, now here's, I want to ask you if this is you. Then Jesus said to this man, unless you see signs and miracle hap miracles happen, and he didn't just say it to that man, he said it to his followers, the faithful ones. It is. He said it, Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and miracles happen, you people will never believe. Trust have faith at all. Wow. In other words, do you build your faith by some sign you see or wonder? That's great, and signs and wonders are awesome, but you're not going to see the signs and wonders until you have the simplicity of trust. We want to put, as my mama said, the cart before the horse, right? That doesn't work so well. The cart can't pull the horse. The horse has to pull the cart, right? So, so we, we as Christians put the cart before the horse, and we make our faith what? We make it complicated because we build our faith off what God did for us some other time or what God done for someone else. That's good. We need that in our life, but it cannot be the only source. All of that is not to prove to you God can do it. All of that is just to affirm your trust in a God that heals. And he said, you people can't operate in other words, he was saying, you religious people should already spoke over this boy and he's being whole. But I got to go among all you elders and rabbis and all that and all my disciples, I'll go heal him and resurrect him from the dead because you don't still don't understand the simplicity of trust. Simplicity of trust. And then it goes on to say, he and his entire, uh, uh, said that Jesus went on and healed him and he and his entire household believed and adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus. So they, he is saying, I can go heal him, but it won't really move your faith needle much. But now I'm going to tell you the word. And the word is, if you're just depending on someone to heal or believe or pray for you to get your miracle, you're never going to get to the point where you can get your own miracle. You're never going to walk in the level of the simplicity of trust that moves mountains and moves things. 
But the cool thing, once they trusted in Jesus, the person, but when he gave them the promise and how the promise works, look what it did. When that all happened and the son was healed, it said, and he and his entire household believed. They all come to Christ. But look, what they believe in? They believed and adhered to, trusted in what? His words, his promises, and relied on his person, the son of God. So again, what is it? Faith plus hope, what equals trust? Now, I'm going to say this one statement, and it might get a little deep to you, and then we're going to pray. In John 17, 3, I'm going to read one verse to you. It's Jesus, that same farewell chapter of Jesus in John 17. And he says this, John 17, 3, to know, everyone say no, to know you, the only true God, speaking to his heavenly Father, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have said. To know. Now, what's this talking about? In our Western culture and Western Christianity, when you take the Hebrew translation out and the Aramaic translation out, know is basically what? An experience. When I know something, I have an understanding of it, and I have an experience concerning it. In other words, my mind gives affirmation to something I perceive. I know, I perceive it to be true, and so I'm going to accept it as truth. But get this. In the Hebrew, Aramaic, and so on, the word for knowledge means felt or to feel. So when he's saying that you will know Jesus the Son and you will know God the Father, he wasn't just talking about a mental ascension. He wasn't, he wasn't just talking about a mental perception. He was talking about a feeling. He was talking about the felt knowledge, the felt touch of God, that you're not alone when you're alone. You feel him. You feel him. You feel him. So when I ask you, where are you at in knowing God? Where are you at in knowing God? Do you feel him today? Or do you feel the pressure of what's been spewed out on all the news broadcasts? What politicians say and what maybe even some preachers say. What your body says, what your mind says, what your history says, what your friends say, what your family says. Knowledge is power if it's the right knowledge and if it's activated. Your mental ascension of how loving God is is not an experience. It's not an experience until you know it and you've had the felt knowledge. That means another word for knowing is epnosis, epnosis in the Greek language, and that means to join together as coming together to conceive a child, intimacy. So when you put these two knowledge words together, what God wants us to do is to live in sim the simplicity of trust. And when you live in the simplicity of trust, the only way you can ever get to the point in your life where you simply trust God no matter what's going on. I'm not talking about a mental ascent. Well, God will make it right, I'm sure, honey. Just No, I'm not talking about that. Some way it might work out. No. But when you have an intimate, felt connection with Daddy. You see, for 20 years preaching the gospel, he was Lord. 
He was Savior. He was God. Every need, every name in his name must bow to that name, Jesus, who is Lord. And then you had God the Father also. But he wasn't daddy. You know, Jesus is not only Lord and Savior, he's your big brother. See, I've been a big brother my whole life. He's a big brother. And my baby sister tell you, when I was growing up, I could even date guys because it was like, oh, my, if you showed up at something, they'd head out the back door. She knew what I'd do, and they did too. So she's my little sister. Wait a minute. You're, you're Jesus' little sister. You're the Lord and Savior's little sister. You're the Lord and Savior's little brother. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. He's the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one. But the Bible says we are the little anointed ones. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the one and only. But we are the little one ones. It says he is what the brother among first? What is the first among the brethren? And we're whatever number after that, but we're brethren. So are you alone if you're born again? You know, you may say, I don't really have family that's saved. What do you mean? You're in the family. So I'd like everyone to stand as we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If your family or friends and you're at the same place, you can grab hands. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to pray. <clears throat> and I can call some things out. But I want you to learn to call things out. What is it right now that you've been believing for? More than one thing or multiple things? Maybe you've been believing for a restoration with a relationship with a child or a friend or a minister or a, 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 a worker or an employee or employers. I don't know. Friends, cousins, marriage. Whatever it is, if there's relationships that are important to you that need mending. Maybe you're believing for a financial breakthrough so that, you know, you can pay your car payment, your house or your rent, feed your family. Maybe you're just kind of out there and you know you're a child of God and you'll never quit on him, but you feel like maybe he's quit on you because you're not in the right proximity or maybe he's not noticing you. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he not only knows your heart, but he knows the intentions thereof. It says in Mark's gospel, he not only knows you, but he knows the number of hairs on your head. He intimately knows all about you. The key is what do you know about him? He made a decision to love you before you were saved. He made a decision to love you before you were lovely. Why would he stop loving you now? Maybe you just need to rekindle that relationship with him today and let him be grateful and be thankful and welcome him to be more intimate with you. Or maybe you've never known Christ as your Savior, your elder brother, your Lord. 
you need to receive him. So I'll kind of hit all those prayers. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And you can loose your hands for just a second. If you're in here today and you say, I, I need to come to Christ today on the count of three, I want you to just raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you where you are. Or you're far away from Christ and you used to serve him and you need to rededicate. You need to come on. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to see because our hands are already going up. One, two, three. Keep it up for me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Others, is there people back there that I can't see? That's three people. I think there's more than that. Back there, how many are you holding up? Three, four back there? Okay. So let's pray that prayer first. And everybody pray this prayer out loud with them as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm coming home to you. Forgive me of being for being separated and in sin and distant. Be the Lord of my heart and the Lord of my life. Jesus, save me. Fill me. Empower me to be your child. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a shout if you're excited three people come to Christ. You that are you that are watching online on Facebook, just put in a comment, Jesus, if you rededicated or gave your life to Christ, someone will call or connect, or first they'll connect through Facebook and then see what we can do for you. Normally we would have you go back to the prayer room today. We can't really do that, but if you just get online and text Jesus, I guess, whatever it is, we will know. Now, how about you that have an emptiness, a longing, and you know you're good with God, but man, I, I need this breakthrough or that relationship or this financial thing or I just need a anxiety to go or fear. Is that anybody here? I just need to rest in the Spirit. In fact, just wave at me if that's you. You just need something from God. Just pray that prayer. Let me pray that prayer. Put your hand right here on your head. I want to pray for you. Maybe you need healing in your body. Just put your hand up. Peace in your mind. Father, right now, I just thank you that you are our Lord, our God. I thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rafika, our healer, Rafa, our healer. Jehovah Nissi, our banner, our soon coming king. Right now, I thank you for the anointing moving from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, on the outside and the inside of them right now, that they will have the felt knowledge of you, the felt knowledge of your Holy Spirit, of your healing, power of your provision power I command their body their mind and their provision be whole be whole be whole be whole now in Jesus name if you believe that give God a big shout right now come on if you believe that give God a big shout